Last week, I took the time to go over a few basic tips concerning how to study the Bible. Today, we're going to break down Psalm 23 using those tips. Coming up next. The only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Welcome back, everybody, to Prescribing Truth Podcast right here on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash prescribe truth. I'm your host, Jamal Bandy. If you're looking to contact me, you can do so by emailing me at prescribe.truth at gmail.com or calling in at 801-980-6333. If this is your first time joining me on the podcast, especially on YouTube, please consider subscribing to the channel and hitting that notification bell on the side so you can be up to date when I have new content. If you're listening to this on your podcast apps, please consider leaving a rating and a review. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and so on and so forth. So I would thank you very much. If you'd like to support the show financially, you could do so by partnering with me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash prescribe truth. That's basically if you like if you like the content, if you want to support us as far as continuing this work, um, your donations will be greatly appreciated. My pledge is either a dollar or more a month. And there's different rewards that I try to give back to you for supporting me. And so I greatly appreciate that. The link will be in the description. So last week we went over how to uh, uh, do basic Bible study, you know, not going too deep, not going into the uh, underlying Hebrew and Greek, which I love, by the way, but just taking a basic approach concerning reading the Bible. And I spent a lot of that 10 minutes, which that video is very short, just 10 minutes. I spent a lot of that 10 minutes letting you know how much I can't stand how people actually just close their eyes and just like, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to read today? And they flip the Bible and they flip pages and then they just lay their finger down and say, oh, the Lord spoke to me and this is what he wants me to read and therefore that's how they do their study. No, 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 no. Once again, no, that should not be how you study. All right. So I went over a few basic tips. Uh, you can watch the video. I have the link above either one of these sides here. Just click on that. You can watch it. It's only 10 minutes long. Today, we're going to be putting some of that in practice as we look at a very easy, uh, I ain't going to say easy, short um, passage, Psalm 23. Very popular, well known. It's almost always quoted on TV and so on and so forth. And a lot of the times, misapplied. But uh, we're going to talk about that and we're going to get into it. Psalm 23. So stick with me as we go right into it. I don't want to waste no time. So we're going to the eSword app. For those of you who are listening on your podcast apps, please open your Bibles with me as we're going through this. For those watching on YouTube, you can see the scriptures here, but I also still would encourage you to open up your scriptures as well to read along and to follow through with me. All right. So I went a little ahead as I was doing some prep. So we're back at the beginning. Psalm 23. Now, what I have here is the ESV and the Hebrew Old Testament. We're going just dealing with the ESV. We're not going to be looking at the Hebrew today. All right. This is basic Bible study tips. Um, just how, how we're reading the scriptures. We're going to apply what we learned last week to this right here. All right. So we're not even going to deal with Hebrew right now. But it is strongly encouraged that you do consider getting you a concordance. Getting a lexicon so you can look at the underlying Hebrew and Greek text concerning how to understand the Bible more clearly. That that's just that's important. Okay, so don't shun that. Don't act like it doesn't matter. Oh, it does matter. But since we're start we're taking baby steps here, 
and I'm trying to um, walk with you through this, this is how we're going about it. All right, so just going to be dealing with the ESV. All right, so now we're going to do this verse by verse. Okay, verse by verse. I made the text a little bigger. Um, put it out of the way. We got six verses, okay? That's all we're dealing with today. Now, remember we talked about how you want to identify the author. Now, Psalm 23 gives us everything. It gives us the author. Now, we know ultimately the author of Scripture is God. As the Bible teaches that men wrote as it was carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, all of Scripture, its ultimate author is God. All right? And God used men to put pen to pad or pen to papyri, whatever they was using. And so here we have a Psalm of David. Um, so this is the author here, David. Okay. And this is the Psalm that he wrote. All right. Now that's important. Now think about who is David. Was David just some Joe blew off the street? No. David was a chosen vessel of God. God chose David to be king. And then it will be through David's line that the Messiah would come through. This was all done by the providence of God and his ordaining these things from the beginning. This is how it's going to be. So David is a very important person. I just want to stress that. And then also David was not a perfect person. David had some issues, some big issues. Yet, he was still deemed the apple of God's eye. He still understood mercy, grace. And had faith. You're gonna see that as we read through this song. So now, so once again, who is David? David is not just a joke off the street. He is chosen of God. He's set apart by God. Therefore, he's in God. He is. David was saved by his faith, not by his works, and he understood that. And you can see that in his song. And so I'm going a little deep there. My bad if I went over your head. I just want to get some context. Who is David? Now, the audience here, these Psalms were written for encouragement for Jews uh, or for the Hebrews. This is what, this is what they um, sung. This was his encouragement to himself. All this to the honor of God to the, and worship to God. All this is important. He's writing and, and proclaiming the goodness of the Lord and his worship. That is important. All right. So, all this is for worship. Now, let's. Let's do this reading. It starts off, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, just basically looking at this, we know, the def know uh, basically what a shepherd is. A shepherd guides the sheep, he protects the sheep, and so on and so forth. All right? So the Lord is my shepherd. David is already letting us know within the first verse that he understands that he can't lead himself, he can't guide himself. He can't uh, survive on his own or any of that because sheep can't do that apart from that having a shepherd to lead and guide them. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not anything else, not no other gods, no other idols, not even himself or any of that. The Lord, ultimate, the authority, creator, he is my shepherd. I shall not want. And now we see there in their faith. His confidence in his shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in need. And this want is not talking about just material things. This I shall not want something totally deeper. And we get into that. We're going to see that. 
I shall not want. Now I've heard a lot of people preach this and they just at verse one and they'll be like, I shall not want. So therefore you have abundance and blessings and all that stuff. It's not even about that. Not even about that. Now, in Christ we won't want. Like, man, the beauty of knowing that we'll be sustained by the grace of God. And even then, if this life falls short because of things that we lack, there is a hope greater than this that we look forward to. So either way, I shall not want. That's beautiful. David understood that. In verse 2, he, so who's the he? The Lord. So this is basic Bible study tips. You probably like, okay, Jamal, go on. I, I know this already. This is for those who who trying to like grow in reading the scriptures and may not be used to all this. So verse two, he, so who's the he? God, the Lord. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now I want to stop here because I was taught a long time ago that where it says he leads me beside still waters, that this was some kind of a swamp. Like he leaves me behind this nasty, filthy swamp, and he leaves me beside it. Hey, but it, I didn't, and I didn't question it back then. But after reading it, as I grew in the Word and better study more, I'm like, and I looked at the now. I'm saying I wasn't gonna go there, but that's why I say looking at the underlying Hebrew is important. So still waters here is not meant to be a swamp, because you know, if water is let still long enough. It does get a little nasty, fungus growing in it and all that kind of good stuff. You know, that's what happens. You know, so you look at a swamp, that's what a swamp is, it's still. You know, it's still war. But here, that's not what David is trying to portray. He's talking about, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So that's there. Green pastures does represent something good. You know, this is not a, a deserted place or a desert place where there's nothing there, no fruitfulness there. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, keeps me still. He leads me beside still waters. The waters there is running. I mean, it's drinkable. It's good. It's, so that means God here, or David is saying, God takes care of him. He leads me, he, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. These things, he means he's showing that God gives him nourishment. Okay, that's that's what we're seeing here. Verse verse three. He still talking about the Lord. He restores my soul. Now, this is why I know David understood faith. He understood faith. While his soul needed to be restored if he was already right. He knew he wasn't right. He knew he had issues. He knew he fought with sin and so on and so forth. But he had faith. He said he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for what? For his name's sake. David understood that his living for God wasn't about him. It wasn't centered on him. Everything that was done was a mercy by God for his own namesake. For his own namesake. That's important. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, I want you to listen to the language that David is saying here. Listen to the language. This is not somebody who's not trusting God. This is not somebody who's rebelling against God, who lives their life hating God's law and hating God's word. 
This is not the words of somebody who does that actively. So the reason why I make a point to say that is that this scripture has always been misapplied. You'll see this being quoted on TV and so on and so forth by people who you know ain't living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And not even trusting him with their life. Haven't surrendered, haven't bowed the knee to Christ. Yet, they somehow believe that the Lord is their shepherd. And they shall not want. So, this is why it's important to do the studies to know who the audience is. And know who the author is. So, this text and the things that are being said are not, are not, and I repeat, are not. Just for anybody to quote and think it applies to them. This would apply to somebody who believes in the Lord, who is a believer, who is saved, who is trusted in Christ, who is trusting in the Lord. That's what's being portrayed here. This is the language of someone who is trusting the Lord with all their life. He says, he restores my soul. An unbeliever don't talk like that. Somebody who doesn't trust in Christ doesn't talk like that. Their soul is not restored. They are in need of, of forgiveness. Here, David is speaking as someone who's already received that forgiveness. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So David understands, I can no longer live my life practicing wickedness. Yeah, I've sinned. And yeah, I'm going to do more. But I can't live my life like this. Practicing sin. Loving my sin. No, because... God, the Lord, leads me in paths of righteousness for his own namesake. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Mm. That's, oh, that's so good. So after talking about how the Lord takes care of him, and he restores his soul, and leads him in the path of in the path of righteousness. Then he comes in and says, "Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't have to fear no evil. That, I mean, that's just plain. You don't have to fear evil, for you are with me." So this is so encouraging. So I know as we're doing this basic Bible study, if you're a believer, you should be receiving this encouragement. You should be hearing this and it should be doing something in your heart. You know, saying like, man, the Lord is good. You know, like I should fear no evil for you are with me. This cannot be said of an unbeliever. Uh, some, the reason why I'm stressing this, and I'm going to let you know. A guy got offended with me when I told him that certain texts is not for everybody. When you read the scriptures, everything that's in the scriptures is not for everybody. Now, the scriptures are sufficient for everyday life, but everything that's in the text is not addressed to everybody or dealing with everybody. So, for instance, an unbeliever who's actively not trusting in the Lord, God is not with them in the valley of the shadow of death. He's not with them. He's not leading them in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's not restoring their soul. All this is done when they're born again, when they're trusted in Christ, living by faith. So this is important. This is, this is a basic Bible study. You know, knowing 
who the text is addressing. So if you're reading this scripture, and if, if you're an unbeliever, and if you happen to be reading the scriptures, like you should find to see that the Lord is good, and you read it like, man, the shepherd I shall not want. Like, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. As an unbeliever, if you're reading that, you should be thinking about, man, my sin. He restores my soul. Like, my soul needs to be restored. Like, that's what you should be feeling from this text. Not the complacent, oh, he restores my soul. But how do you know your soul is restored? How do you know this is happening in your heart? Examine. That's important. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the staff being used as a correction for leading. I'm sorry. The staff being used for leading, for guiding. Shepherd, remember, he's our shepherd. The rod for correction. But then David says, they both comfort me. Not when I'm in your good graces, but also when I'm getting corrected, beat even, <laughs> using the rod. I, I love it. It's comforting to me. That's beautiful. An unbeliever doesn't feel that. I mean, that's beautiful. God is good, man. And so this is what it says. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I've also seen this text get misapplied. People take this as some kind of way to boast themselves above others. Like, don't you worry, God said it. he's going to prepare a table before your enemies as a way to try to boast you up. Like, no. Like, yes, this is some kind of exaltation, but not for the, not for the point of you being boastful. God is saying, before your enemies, I'm taking care of you. I, I got you straight. You're taken care of. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to see. Not about, not about your blessing, overflow of blessings as far as this life is concerned. But it's talking about everlasting life. He's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Why is the anointing of the oil for being consecrated, being set apart? My cup overflows. This text is speaking of how God sets us apart from everyone else. And because of the love and the mercy that comes with that and being with the Lord, that table is prepared. That table is prepared before me in the presence of my enemies. This is not so I can point the finger at my enemies and say, ha ha, you don't have no seat at the table. This is my table with my meal. Like, no. This will have me in tears. Because these are things that I didn't deserve. Notice, David not once in this passage says he's done anything to deserve this table being made before him. Not one time. Not one time did he say that. So there's no reason, no absolute reason that anybody should boast about the table being made, prepared before them, acting as if they've done something to earn that. 
Like we're boasting it. We're boasting because God is merciful and he's loving and he's kind to undeserving, wretched sinners. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head. You anoint, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This anointing of the oil isn't about being anointed so you can lay hands and prophesy over folks. God is setting you apart. If you are a believer in Christ, you are set apart from everyone else. And that anointing, that oil will be now the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us, setting us apart from everyone else in the world. It's that separates us from the weeks and the tear. Being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Our cup overflows. Then it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Hmm. Now, what is this for the person who believes that their work saved them? What does this mean for anybody who believes that they are saved by their works? How is mercy following you all the days of your life? No, you're actually earning that. You're earning your rightness with God. Mercy's not following you because you're doing right. You have no need of mercy. But surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Showing that it's definitely by faith and not by our works. And then, once again, not saying that you just go out and sin because what did David say earlier? The Lord leads me in paths of righteousness. Not for my sake, but for his sake, for his name's sake. He says, uh, surely in goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Boom. You talking about eternal life? Talking about salvation that lasts for an eternity? Not once losing that salvation? David understood that there's no way. That he will never be with the Lord. Even everything that he's done. Everything that he's been through. He is in God. He believes. He has faith. And it's counted to him as righteousness as well. The same faith that Abraham had. David had it as well. Because he understood. That goodness and mercy. Shall follow me. All the days of my life. Now I said I wasn't going to do no underlying Hebrew. I'm not, not going to pull it up. But I just want to let you know. That that underlying word for follow me. In that verse. Literally means to chase after. To pursue. To hunt. In a hostile way. Like be violent. Like the Lord. He, like he is serious. He is ferocious. For his people. Mercy will follow you. All the days of your life. You can't escape God's mercy. Praise God. But nothing that we earned, it was only for his name's sake, by grace. That's beautiful. So now, that's that. That's that passage. And look how we broke it down. I know I got excited a lot of parts, and I kind of drugged the video out some. But all of this is a show. This is how you should go about reading it. We took it verse by verse, trying to understand what each verse meant. What did verse 1 mean? What did verse 2 mean? How do those two verses connect? Verse 3, verse 4, 5, and 6. How do they connect? And if you look into the underlying Hebrew, 
What does that bring out? What what more clarity do you get from looking at the underlying Hebrew? Because you want to know what the original words were. You do want to know that. You know, and a lot of times because of our English language, sometimes the English language misses it because we're limited in our language. But man, this translation is beautiful. It's beautiful. So that's that. I hope you found encouragement from that. I'm definitely encouraged just from reading this psalm and going through it, just hearing David's heart in here. And then I can apply this to me because I'm in Christ, because the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Regardless if I have all the money I need or, or don't, he is still my shepherd and I shall not want. No matter what goes on in my life, he does make me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And though I walk in a valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup does overflow. Surely, 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 goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall, by the grace of God, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So thank you once again for joining me on the Prescribing Truth Podcast. Please check out more videos of Prescribing Truth on the side. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And remember, in a world full of errors, the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings.